Over the course of the last 30 odd years, Jay Stott has been a ski instructor, a fishing guide, bricklayer, carpenter, hot tub technician, retail store manager, janitor, heavy equipment operator, house painter, vacuum cleaner salesperson, security guard, and even a bouncer for a strip club. Along the way, he's also drafted a couple of novels and dabbled in print journalism too. But he's carried a guitar at every stage of his life since he was 13 years old. Now he's released his second album, The Wreckage of Now, which balances his roots-rocking Americana with the mature perspective of a 51-year-old grown-ass man who's seen and done a lot. 5 a.m. I saw the sunrise, dashboard bleeding right before my eyes. Welcome to the Raw Songwriting Podcast, where I challenge my guests to write a brand new song in one week based on a prompt, and then talk about the process. Along the way, we talk about the broader craft of songwriting. I'm David Coyle, and it's my pleasure to introduce Jay Stutt. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thanks, David. It's really terrific to be here and see you. <laughs> likewise, likewise. So, um, yeah, so, I, you know, the, I, you've it, it's crazy here, the, the types of experiences you've had here. And, and one, one thing that stands out to me, or a couple things that stand out to me, is just that you've, you've done a lot of writing, and not just songwriting. So... Uh, the first thought that comes to mind is, uh, you know, how is writing a song different than writing a novel or, or, or doing print journalism? Or how <laughs> you know, is it like, the same? Uh, yeah, like a lot of things, there's some things about it that are really, really different. And the things about it that are really, really the same. Coming to songwriting later, let me put it this way. I always wanted to be a songwriter. It took me a lot of writing to figure out how to be a songwriter. You know, from from the time I first picked up a guitar at 12 or 13, I was like, oh, I want to be a songwriter. You know, I like I want to make songs like I want to be Tom Petty or Bruce Springsteen or Jackson Brown, you know, sort of the father, son and holy ghost of my <laughs> musical <laughs> yeah. roots. And uh, and uh, I didn't understand anything about doing creative work. And it took me a long time of trying a lot of other kinds of creative work as a writer but also I was the kid, you know, in ninth grade English, my English teacher was like, Hey, there's a writing conference for teens. So I signed you up, be at the oh, bus, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, and I, and, and I, you know, I was not a kid who was like, Oh, pick me. But I was like, okay. And so that, you know, like I was that kid that the teacher was like, you know, you should probably do this. And I, and I love, I wrote poetry in college. I loved playing with language. I always loved reading poetry. I always loved to read um, and read voraciously from a very young age. So playing around with language, playing around with words has always been sort of central to who I thought I was and, and, and the things I like to do. I really didn't understand the creative process at all and didn't have anyone in my life who could mentor me with that when I was young. So when I tried the first couple of times to write a song and produce things that really sucked, I just thought I was bad and shouldn't be doing songwriting. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that early, yeah, the, the early uh, uh, critic that, that's in all of our heads, right? Yeah, and, and I didn't have anything going on to help me through that, you know. So then I just kept coming back to writing over and over again in my life in one way or another. And I have written drafts of a couple novel lengths projects and and fiction and uh done some print journalism a, a bit of this and a bit of that and um really about 
a dozen years ago, finally a switch kind of flipped in my head and everything I'd learned about doing creative work was available for me to bring to trying to write a song. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, I can see my way forward here. I can see my I can see how to keep uh-huh. doing creative work as a songwriter. And and probably part of that was building up a volume of musical experience so that I had some tools and you know you've, you've got so much to draw on that's pretty it's pretty crazy. Um for, first off, I want to just salute you at at writing uh two two full novels even if they were i mean you said they were like first drafts or were they like multiple multi-drafts or i i have a book that's been through multiple drafts and i finally got stuck and and couldn't see the way forward anymore sure but it's there it's it's a project i might go back to it's a story i'm fairly committed to there's some things in it that i care a lot about and i can easily imagine getting to a point where i felt like that was something i needed to go back and take another shot at Um, see i i just can't i i just i have the utmost respect for anybody who even gets through one draft of a novel because i you know i really wanted to be in the 90s in the 90s i really wanted to be a screenwriter and i wanted to write movies i was a huge i'm a huge movie buff um and i couldn't get through a just like a um you know, a two hour script or a 90 minute script. I, I could, I could write sitcom scripts, a little teleplays a little bit easier. Uh, but even that was tough. I mean, I ended up finding that like, uh, I ended up getting involved with some comedians and doing comedy sketches, which were, are basically like the same length as a song. And I found it, you know, much easier to work at, at these, this kind of small bite size thing. But I, the, I, I can't even do it, you know, a two, uh, you know, a, a, a you know, a, a two hour script, um, you know, writing a novel is, is inconceivable to me. So, I mean, cause just the, cause I think of all the, like the complexities and the layers that you want to put in there and, and just putting that into a song is daunting, but putting yeah. that into a novel, I mean, this conversation is cool. Cause it's got me thinking about the connections between different kinds of work that I've done. One of the things I learned from trying to write novels that I think has really helped me as a songwriter is I learned to keep writing Mm. even when I was pretty sure what I was writing sucked. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I learned to do that writing first drafts of novels. The, the, the goal wasn't to be brilliant. The goal was to be writing. Uh Uh And I learned so much from just forcing myself to do that, to get through a first draft. And my study of other people who had written stuff showed me that nobody's first draft is that great. Certainly mm-hmm. not in novel writing. Sure. If your novel's any good at all, there's a long, complicated process after the first draft that that brings that thing to fruition. And then, of course, if you start talking about the writer's that I look to the Salman Rushdie's and the Tony Morrison's, you uh-huh. know, there's this incredible process between the first draft and the thing you actually read where major changes happen and the author and maybe other people, editors and writers groups are helping them bring to life all the things we think of as the cool complexities of a novel. Huh. 
But what I learned from writing, trying to write novels was how to keep writing, even when I was pretty sure what I was writing was terrible. Yeah, yeah. And well, that that was an incredibly powerful lesson for me in how to be a creative person, how to keep going, even when that voice in your head is telling you that what you're doing stinks. Well, um, I'm I'm a big I'm a big believer in in what I call first draft songwriting, and that's where you you get that first draft out there, and then you go back and you revise it as you need to. And I, I'm I'm just curious. I mean, since you you did the novel writing. Did and I, I imagine with journalism it's the same because or similar because a lot of you know editors will make you go and rewrite stuff pretty regularly. Um, do you or they'll I, just change it without asking you? Yeah, well, <laughs> that, that's a good. That's point. more yeah. my experience in journalism. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're just going to change it and they're not even going to tell you that they did. <laughs> um, do you? I still cash the checks. <laughs> do Do you spend a? Uh, I mean, what's the revision process like for you? Is that Is that something you? that's that's a really big deal to you since you know it, since it you've done to- you know it totally depends on the song and i've been lucky and privileged to have songs sort of fall out of my head fully mm-hmm. formed and feel you know really like okay 20 minutes and i'm done sure um and I've also had songs that were very long processes and it felt like a real battle to get that song to where I think the song wanted to be, you know, a real struggle. So I, you know, it's, it's a bit of everything. I don't have one case thing. Case. I, yeah. I try, I am trying as a song writer to be a little bit more demanding of myself. Mm-hmm and not be too lazy with those first drafts. Yeah. Um, So I'm trying to force myself to do a bit more revision. And I've, in making records, I've learned some things about, you know, the difference between having a song that you're willing to play in your basement and make a work tape of, and then like taking it to some other people and really working up an arrangement and a production and what sings well and what doesn't sing well. And I've gotten to work with some people that have, you know, the things they push me to do better have helped me internalize some skills in my songwriting. Like, you know, so I have a better feel for what's going to sing well and what's going to sound good. And then also people telling me to do things that I didn't like, of course, helps me to tune up what, mm-hmm. what's my ear, what's my vision in a song. Well, let's, uh, I, we've, we've got a couple songs here from your 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 new album, Wreckage of Now. And, uh, and, and I, I really do want to talk to you about, you know, writing for the studio versus just writing on, uh, and so let's, let's play this, this first song, Can't Stop Love. And I, I, I'm definitely interested in hearing a little bit about, um, yeah, what the, you know, what the differences were between when you first wrote it and when you started, got into the studio. So, all right, here we go. This is Can't Stop Love by Jay Stott off the album Wreckage of Now.
That was uh, Can't Stop Love by Jay Stott off of the album Wreckage of Now. And uh, woo, yeah, that's that's that that's a great sound and that's a great sound and uh, recording there, man. That 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 sounds great. So let's hear about it. How did how did you come up with this song? You know, a lot of like for me, a, an awful lot of songwriting is storytelling. So even if there isn't necessarily a narrative, I'm thinking of a character and what is this character going to say and what situation are they in and the speaker of this song is you know talking to someone who's pushing them away and for one of the tensions in writing this song is to frankly not get too creepy you <laughs> yeah, know well, that's like that's the like you thing, could yeah. get, you could get to every breath you take pretty fast with this title you know and and i think we can all acknowledge now that the genius of the police aside that's a fairly creepy song from a contemporary standpoint yeah, you know we yeah. think we, we, we you know we so so for me part of the kick of this song was to like how do we say this thing without making it creepy right and so i really as i was writing the verses like with each verse, it kind of gets a little more ridiculous, right? Yeah. Like all these silly things you could do to me. Um, you know, the first verse kind of just sets it up. But after that, it's like fairly ridiculous. And the chorus is too, right? Like it it contains the main message of the song, but especially, uh, you know, coming straight at you like a jet-powered dove. I, I'm kind of hoping <laughs> people take that. <laughs> the way I meant it, you know, yeah. like not like that's not entirely serious. Um, and at the same time, I think for me, at least, you know, the idea of like the tension of being in a relationship where someone's trying to push you away or, you know, mm -hmm. like that's a real thing. People, yeah. you know, and so that idea of like, you can push me away, but I feel how I feel, I hope is is a real thing, you know that that gives a little bit of substance to the song but this song was also about the groove and coming up with a lyric that went 
with a kind of a fun groove and especially when we worked it up in the studio you know we were really aware of the groove of the song and how do we shift between the verse and the chorus because they have a slightly different groove and what can we do with that that's fun you know so and this is a really fun song i mean this is a thank you. tremendously fun song one thing that really stood out to me is that you've got really solid end rhymes going on i mean you really you're like right tonight uptight light you're doing car bar star scars train chain uh, crane and pain and love above dove and love i mean you're just i i mean was that something that i mean was there a conscious choice in in doing that and uh, i mean i think it kind of makes it a, a more a more fun song it's like you know you know what you're doing you're just like boom you're you're being as straightforward about this as as well i mean as much as we were talking about you know, kind of maybe offsetting the creepiness by by being over the top. We, we know what's going on with the, um, you know, the song's very straightforward and, 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 and it just, it like nails that that emotional point. And um, I think part of that is because of the rhyme scheme. I, did you put any thought into that or it just, just naturally came out that way? I went through a couple of iterations. I mean, there were verses that didn't have the straight a a a a rhyme uh -huh. you know i had a couple like a b a b verses it felt stronger when everything rhymed together and you know part of the kick for me in songwriting i think is once you're working in a form playing with the puzzle of that form and trying to get things to fit in the form actually opens me up uh -huh. to write things that I might like in a more neutral setting, I would be like, that sounds really stupid, you know? Uh -huh. But if I'm just trying to fit the form, I'm like, okay, that fits. And then I've written a line that I never would have considered otherwise. And then I can kind of look at it and go, oh, maybe that's an interesting bit of phrasing or, you know, maybe I'm saying something, you know, the jet powered dove, right? Like I'm trying to fit a line there. And then I come up with this thing. I'm well, like, hey, that's actually a pretty funny image, right? What, what, like, what's great about that is because you, you look at, you know, love, dove, above, you know, th these are rhymes that, you know, have been done a lot, right? And, right. you know, jet powered Howard Dove is, you know, such a great image that that it really, you know, it, it works. It works. The one, probably my favorite one here that you have um, is um, beat the bottoms of my feet with a rusty chain. And I can't help but think that you probably wouldn't have come up with that if you hadn't, you know, started with train, you know, and you were yeah, in pain and, and crane and all. Yeah. And there's always a danger with a rhyme scheme. You know, you get too locked into a rhyme scheme and it can feel really repetitive and really, you know, not the language isn't very alive. In this song, it seemed to work to, oh. to sort of have this super heavy hitting rhyme at the end of every line. And, uh, you know, so I think it, I think it does. I think it really it, it fits the the emotional impact of the song. And I, I think that, um, yeah, for different, you know, different types of songs, it, it wouldn't work. Uh, but but it definitely does in this one. Um, and I mean, I just like what you're talking about, create, you know, you might, you might come up with stuff when you have hard rhymes like this that you wouldn't otherwise. And, and it reminds me that, um, apparently Tim Pan, Tim Pan Alley, uh, they were really strict about that sort of thing. It had to be hard end rhymes. They had to be exact rhymes. 
and that Tin Pan Alley songwriters, when when you know rock and roll came around, they were really they they stuck their nose up in the air and was like, oh, these guys are just doing they're being real easy about it because they're doing like these near rhymes or these really loosey goosey things. Um, and you go back sometimes and you listen to Tin Pan Alley and you're like, you know, some of the some of the rhymes seem a little bit forced, but at the same time, some of them are like really brilliant, at, you know, at the ways that they they kind of some of the 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 acrobatic maneuvers they had to do to come up with, you know, how they were going to actually make that rhyme. Um, yeah. Yeah. And as you said earlier, like you look at the chorus and I kind of groan anytime I end up with love as a rhyming word. Oh right? yeah. Because mm -hmm. you're like, Oh, there are like five other words and they've all been used like 10 bazillion times. So how are we going to come up, you know, with something that maybe rhymes there? Um, but but you jumped into it unapologetically and enthusiastically, and I think that's probably the best way to do it. You're you know I think you're you know it's 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 just boom you're there and it's happening and everybody's gonna love it. <laughs> and it you know? works well in the context of a song that isn't taking itself that seriously. Exactly, exactly. I yeah. you know if I was really trying to write something serious, I, I never would have done that. I'd have gone somewhere else. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 this is a really cool song. I, I really thought it was really fun. Um, Thank you. And uh, though I'm, I'm kind of I, I want to go back a little bit to the um, you were talking about the potential uh, creepiness of it. I mean, there's so much pop culture that's built around kind of I mean, you know, you know, it, it's not just music, but it's, you know, sitcoms or or just, it, you know, movies, uh, books, you know, people are they'll go over the top in their pursuit of someone. You know, it's interesting. I think there was a time where people kind of took it like kind of like professional wrestling or something. They, they know that it's part of the show. You know, it's a poetic or a, or a kind of a it's an over the top extreme rendering of things. Um, and, and these days, yeah, it's it, it. I think it tends to be taken a little bit more literally or or perhaps it's just people that acknowledge that there are people out there that do take it literally, whereas it used to be just sort of assumed that people understood that. No, this is an extreme example of, you know, it's 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 poetry. You know, this is not meant that you're actually going to die for love or something like that. Or Right. Yeah. I, but we also live in a world, I think, where I mean, certainly this informed my sensibility is writing the song. We now live in a world where there's all kind of behavior that in the not too distant past, we all spent a lot of time overlooking and making excuses for yeah. that today we're like, no, that's really not okay. You can't do that. That's, you know? that's and, true. And, and so as I was writing this song that is playing maybe with a little bit of those tropes, I was just very aware that this could devolve into something that I'd be uncomfortable with. Yeah. If yeah. I wasn't careful, you know, if it didn't, sort of telegraph it's not so serious intent yeah um, so drawing that i mean it's 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 clearer it's 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 easier to draw that line you know when you're doing a real fun song like this and yes. if you do a serious song though i mean there's i mean you talked about every every breath you take by the police um which i think was actually kind of a creepy song at the time it's just it was such a lovely song that people overlooked it right it's a really good really creepy song yeah it's so good it's so so amazing. it is the police they're really good at what yeah. they did yeah but i mean i mean i think uh, sting admits himself that it's 
yeah, it's it's not a positive. It's not a not a healthy song. <laughs> you no. knew that from when you wrote it. But, but then you have people playing it at their weddings and every breath you take, every step you make. What? <laughs> and then there's I know like um, Allison by Elvis Costello. That's another song that people think of as like this really uh, romantic one, even though it's actually about you know cutting somebody down with you know nasty words and things like that i mean it's it's actually a pretty pretty nasty song but yeah. done in this lovable way I, I think a lot of the artists were conscious about that when they were writing them um but they got misconstrued by the audience i mean if if you don't talk to any members of the band police but you just listen to the song there's not a lot in that song that telegraphs anything other than it is what it is you know so yeah. And I, we live in a world where until very recently, these male statements of obsessive romance were sort of considered cool. And we now live in a world, I hope, where we're like, yeah, actually, that's kind of dysfunctional and maybe you should seek therapy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're right. You're right. And we, and it's good to be conscious about that, uh, you know, more so. I think uh, I, I'm, I'm sure that I've fallen into that kind of form just because I grew up with it, you know, I, I, I'm sure I've written songs like that. And, uh, yeah, but, oh, but it, yeah. It, it, you're, you're right. It, it's something that we should pay more attention to and, and, uh, and, and be sure, uh, you know, cause what, you know, what people are listening to that shapes, well, it shapes the culture, right? We actually want to be shaping the culture, right? We want to have a cultural impact with our music and just, and then to like, you know, maybe say, well, you know, it's just a song, then maybe that's, or at the very least, I want to be very clear that the art I make and release in the world isn't a part of propagating something that I will be uncomfortable yeah. with in retrospect. And, and, and th what's interesting, though, is that you actually write a, a lot. You like kind of some of the down and dirty, you know, underside of, totally. of the world. And that's something totally. that you write about in a lot of your songs. Yep. Um, I like and sad in fact, songs. That's a nice seg here into our our next into a song. completely different song with a whole different <laughs> sensibility <laughs> this here this here i i love this song i remember i did you write this one last year in january for the or was it two years ago as part of the the fearless songwriting i don't think so i think no? this this came out of a different process okay. just my own songwriting practice Okay, so this is yeah, I, but I know I've heard this one several times, and I always I always get. I've been playing one. it for a while, and yeah. it ended up on the record. Well, let's okay. Well, before we talk too much about it here, we we should let everybody have a chance to hear it. This is "One Drink to Drink" by Jay Stott off the album "Wreckage of Now."
All right, that that was One Drink, Two Drink by Jay Stott off the album Wreckage of Now. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that's just that's just such a rave up song. I mean, you like you got to have, you know, I, I'm just imagining you in, fr- you know, in a big uh, auditorium and everybody's just, you know, well, just like in the the, the production actually paid, played that up is like you got a whole bunch of people screaming the, the chorus and stuff. And um, because that is just such an eminently singable chorus that the countdown and i'm thinking this is the first song i've had on the program uh that featured kind of using numbers and counting um you know that way but there's something about numbers that that just immediately calls you to attention you know this um but but and it invites people in because there's nothing complicated about it we can all do the count absolutely absolutely i hope And, and it's rhythmic and it just and and there's something familiar to it, but it's also something that, you know, I, I'm kind of surprised uh, more songwriters don't use it because it's it does it just like immediately draws people in. But but just generally, talk to me. How did the, did you come up with a chorus first? Was that like the first thing that hit you? Yes, the, the, one of the reasons I sent you this song is just because I thought it might be interesting to talk about the process of writing this song. This was actually a really hard song to write. Yeah, uh, because. I had this chorus and I knew like everything you just said about the chorus. I knew that, right? Like, I'm like, Oh, this is a killer chorus. I want to go out and play this chorus in front of a very packed crowd with a big band and make a lot of noise. Right. Like that's what this chorus is for. But then to tell a story that went with that actually turned out to be really hard. Um, Sure. And I went through a lot of iterations. There were easily four or five drafts of verses for this song where I experimented with different things. I had a version where each verse was a different character, uh-huh. you know, and the common element, oh, sure. you know, the chorus made a common element. I, I had a verse that tried i had a draft where a verse or each verse tried to tell a very specific part of the story Uh um and the verses i have now a lot of that a lot of the lines are lines that i had from other drafts oh sure yeah and i sort of went back through and went okay that line is actually a really good line that line is actually a really good line so i ended up like Finally, it, I think there's a story there. There's a character telling us, you know, this story. It's very vague. I mean, one of the things I love about songwriting is you end up working in the Hemingway model of short storytelling where you're trying to just, you know, one, it's, I don't know if you've ever heard Hemingway said, you know, that a good short story should be like an iceberg. You only see oh, sure. one eighth that's the words on the page, but the you arrange the words on the page so that the reader can feel the seven eighths underneath the surface, yeah. right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I I hope this song, the final draft, is sort of doing that, right? It suggests a story without ever really telling us what actually happened. You get a character on the run. Maybe he really did the thing he's running from. Maybe he didn't. But he certainly is the kind of person who got himself in a situation where nobody's having a tough time believing he did the thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
and and I don't think any of that when I'm writing a song, just for the record, it's only in retrospect that I like kind of think through what is this song doing. At the time, I'm just trying to figure out a way to tell a story that feels like it fits. Um, and then a big part of the process after, I mean, I have written a couple drafts and novels. So one of the challenges for me is in songwriting, less words is better. Sure, sure. And sure, I sure. tend to write a lot of words. So, yeah. So that must know, be a real challenge there for you. That's I a, cut, I'm cutting words, you know, <laughs> uh, sometimes just to make it singable, uh-huh. you know, just to make it possible for me to get the words out. Oh, I so, have to cut words. So does that mean that you're, when you're writing the lyrics, um, because I, I I imagine that the chorus you came up pretty much you, the lyrics and the melody at the same time. But do you actually sit down and do kind of like a free write when you're writing the lyrics uh, before or after the melody? I would no. I sometimes if I'm stuck, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. I'll try that. Most of the time, most of the time, I write lyrics first, and then I figure out how it wants oh, to okay. be sung. Okay. Um, not all the time. Yeah. And not in the case of the song I wrote for this show. So, you know, we end up going different directions, but we'll get to that. You know, in this case, I had this chorus and I had a really clear sense of musically, what is this song going to want to do? Because that chorus kind of demands, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. it, it demands that the verses be a certain way. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, so and and musically, you know, it's actually a really simple song. They're like the verses and the chorus, like the verses only have three chords in them and the chorus really only has two. Yeah, you know, when you get kind of a simple construct, the the lyrics become that much more important and um and then and nailing them, especially, you know, even if you, you know, with a rhythm, rhythm is even more of a harsh uh you know, because you don't have a lot of maneuvering for, for, you know, necessarily, you know, drawing a word out or whatever, or you have to like hit that rhythm. Uh, but th- that being said, I-, I thought it was interesting um, that uh, some of these, some of the lyrics here that you have on your, your website uh, have fewer syllables in them than what you actually sing. So what were the changes that you made from from when you, you know, just had this written to when you took it to the studio? Um, well, we you're right. I mean, as I was listening and staring at the transcript, like when I post lyrics on my website, I'm not doing a transcription of what I actually did in the song. I'm usually working from a lyric sheet that I took to the studio. But what I'm singing off of when we do final vocals is usually a lyric sheet with notes written all over it and stuff crossed out and stuff penciled in and notes about how things need to be sung or places where I've been struggling to sing it the way it Mm -hmm. wants to be sung. So I've written in little, you know, performance notes for myself and then crossing out, you know, anytime you can drop a word, it's good. But then sometimes, you know, you're in the middle of singing something and you don't phrase it quite the same way. And then you listen to the playback and you're like, actually that worked pretty well. We're keeping it. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very organic. There's not a lot of intentionality in pre-production. I worked with Brian Shea who played bass and helped co-produce the record 
And he's a terrific musician who lives here in Lyons, a really wonderful guy who's done some amazing stuff as a musician. And he really helps me when we're going to, okay, we're going to go record. I went over to his house and I played all these songs and I had sent him, you know, work tapes of all the songs. And we went through the lyric sheets and he's like, okay, how are you going to sing this? And can you really get that whole line out huh. in a way that makes sense? Can you articulate it? Can we drop this word? You know, we don't, I wouldn't call it editing or revising. He's really focused on, can I help you make this song performable in the studio in a better way? Interesting. He, Interesting. Has a, he has a great sensibility of, of sometimes phrasing, you know, like, like how are we going to phrase this so it works better? Um, how can we phrase it so it's more interesting? You know, can we drop the syllables on the melody in a slightly different way. And because I'm not in any way, shape or form, any kind of trained musician, you know, he helps me sort out the precision of the melody. Like, wait, what note do you think that word is gonna be? Cause I can't tell what note you're singing. And then I'm like, uh, okay, I don't guess I don't know what <laughs> note that wants to be. So let's figure it out, you know? So, so having someone like that to reflect back in the process really helps it. it takes like I know there are people who go into the studio and they're like oh we're just going to do this in one take certainly the first time I made a record I was not an accomplished enough musician to do that nor was mm -hmm. I an accomplished enough singer the second time I made a record I just knew what I was getting into so I knew how to do more prep work I'm actually working on a recording project right now and one of the things as I listen to the playback of the work we're doing now is um it is kind of nice to see how much I've improved as a vocalist. My first takes are a lot more precise now. And I already in my head as I'm writing a song, I'm doing some of the work of like, how is this really going to sound? How is this going to roll out of my mouth? Is it going to, am I going to be able to sing this or are we going to have to change this? You know, so, so you learn it, I mean, part of the fun of making records is you learn some stuff because it demands a precision of you as an artist that singing in a bar band, nobody knows the line you just sung and nobody cares, <laughs> right? Even if they're having a great time and they really love you, like you're in the moment, it's about the moment. You put something on a record, ooh, that's a harsh, that's a harsh master, you know? You, yeah, yeah, that it's, I, I, I'll admit when I do home recordings, um, certainly I feel like the precision, you know, I. I I probably when I'm recording a song, I feel like I learn it better than I do even if I'm just rehearsing it. And uh, but but there's there's you know there's you know when you play things live though, you definitely find yourself changing the song as you go. You know you just find that like sometimes it's easier to sing certain things. But I hadn't or really thought about or you okay. throw out a phrasing and people respond in a certain oh, way and yeah, you're like yeah, yeah. oh okay I guess I'm doing that. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's always yeah that's always kind of just like. Oh, it's like, I really love the way you said that. I was like, oh, uh, that was a mistake. Whoa, well, you should do it that way. Yeah, that's yeah, always... Do, yeah. do more of those. <laughs> make more mistakes like that. Yeah. Um, it's hard to make good mistakes. I haven't mastered that yet. <laughs> well, you know, the best mistakes are the ones where, you know, like I have a tendency to, and I think a lot of live musicians do this, if you forget the words, you just sort of mumble through. And... Um, 
that's you know so i'm i'm a king mumbler i'm totally a king mumbler and and people will come up and they'll they'll sometimes even that helps out in songwriting uh when i'm writing like co-writing with somebody i'll be mumbling something and then the other person will be like what was that you said that was really cool and i'm like i didn't really say anything what did you hear you know and uh it's kind of it's kind of fun that way because people yeah. people are meaning machines. They just sort of they place meaning on things that maybe it's not really there, but we got to use that to our advantage, right? Totally, so. totally, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, that's a that's a great that's a great song, and it sounds like the album's really 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 solid. I mean, the production there. Uh, it sounds like your producer was really on top of things because it sounds there, really it, nice. It's, you know, the first time uh, my drummer, Brian McRae, who has a studio in Lyons and where we recorded all this stuff, and Brian Shea, the bass player, and I sort of co-produced the whole thing. And, you know, it was really them. I mean, they really understood uh -huh. the process in a different way. And the great thing about making another album is I was able to come as a more informed and able communicator of what I wanted to get to. Um, yeah. There's sort of a whole language of the studio that it just takes time to learn. You know, I have things in my head. If I can't articulate them well to the people I'm playing with, then it's it's not their fault if it doesn't sound the way I want it to sound. So I have to live with this being a learning process exactly the same way songwriting is a learning process. I really enjoy it. So it's really fun to, to learn and get better. You know, you're continually trying to figure out how to articulate what you want to do to other people um so this record you know we definitely got some sounds that were like yes okay cool this is kind of what i had in my head especially that song one drink two drink i think that very much fully captures what was going on in my head when i wrote that song and yeah what i thought it probably should sound like worked up with the whole band so yeah, uh, I, I I mean it's it's got such a great energy. It's got a good well, it's a good mix of you know it's got that Americana thing going on, but it's got a little bit of that punk energy going on too, which I really appreciate. And yeah, 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 just it, and it definitely like it has like when I was you know like it's a song that like that opening where I'm just hammering on an E minor chord. You know, I'm thinking about the Clash. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, I grew up with punk music too, so that there's some of that in me. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking. I actually was thinking about with that song. I was thinking about uh, what's that? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, oh, Saturday. Yeah. Like that. That was a song that came to mind because it had that kind of. Even though that's not numbers, it's it's kind of a you know the days of the week have a similar effect of one two three four five and right kind of, yeah, totally. yeah 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 totally. so something something the listener can grab a hold of very very quickly yeah 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 so there you go folks if you're looking for a shorthand hook uh, you know make your first couple songs they have either uh, numbers or days of the week and boom you'll automatically hook people so all right well let's uh let's let's move on well actually let's take a short break here real quick and then when we come back We'll talk about our challenge songs. So we'll talk to you in just a moment. And we're back. We're here talking to Jay Stott on the Raw Songwriting Podcast. I'm your host, David Coyle. And uh, we're just about to get into our challenge song. Let's, let's talk about the prompts real quick. I'm going to read through these prompts. All right. The first thing I gave uh, uh, Jay was a, a random word. That random word was reticular which means resembling a net in form net like it was also a random question 
What is something you find mildly annoying, but not annoying enough to do anything about? Then there was a random fact. Bookworms are actual insects that bore holes in books. A major book-feeding insect is a paper louse, which feeds on microscopic mold in poorly kept books. And then the picture, uh, we had a random picture. It's this lady holding an umbrella while standing on, it's a bunch of debris. I'm not sure if it's a junkyard, but it's a bunch of debris. It looks to be office debris. Uh, she's standing on a desk and, 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 and well, television and some chairs and, and cabinets uh, and drawers. And uh, it's outside, but it's outside. So there's like blue skies, a little bit of clouds, uh, some trees in the background. And then you have this, this debris that she's standing on with an umbrella. Uh, so Jay, which, which prompt did you decide to go with? I, I went with the image, um, though I played around with some of the other prompts. Reticular is a terrible rhyming word. So uh, <laughs> I like the word. Yeah. And I kind of did a little noodling around on a notepad just to see if I could get any sparks going. Um, I do really like using unusual words in songs, which uh -huh. sometimes annoys some of the people I'm working with, and I don't care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm with you, man. I well, because I, I like interesting words. That's I don't part know of the about kick you, of this. But if I hear a word that I don't know, you know what I do? I go to the dictionary and I look it up. <laughs> totally right, I, I think, like so absolutely so yeah. i was like hmm reticular net like what can i what what kind of i mean it's an adjective right so it's going to describe something else i i noodled around with it a little bit and just didn't seem there were no sparks flying yeah, for me sure, you know sure. there wasn't anything coming up um i noodled around a little bit with things that are mildly annoying but not annoying enough to do anything about and I like that question, but again, it just didn't lead to any, it, there were no sparks for me. Yeah. And that, and when I, when I sit down to write, especially when I'm writing to prompts, which I really like doing for the same reason we were talking about liking rhyme, uh -huh. I'm writing to a prompt that opens me up to try things I wouldn't do otherwise. Cause I'm trying to meet this external requirement, right? Like, so I'm, so I can focus on that and not worry about whether what I'm writing is any good or not. So I, I, I noodled around with that. The bookworm thing, just, I was like, Ugh, I don't feel anything there, but I kept coming back to the picture. So, um, so for me, almost all songs one way or another start with a line or a couple lines that have some energy mm. and, Somehow that image of the woman, she's standing up on a desk, she's looking down, she certainly doesn't look happy. I, I'm not really sure how to describe her demeanor, but you know, that like the idea of someone up on a high place looking down, that all of a sudden had some energy for me. Looks like she so, might jump or something like that. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, and yeah. she's standing on a pile of junk. She doesn't look like she's in a life-threatening position, but she is standing up high on something looking down, sort of contemplating and, and somehow or another that seemed to spark something for me. So I sort of started in the head of someone who was standing up in a really high place looking down. <laughs> so, well, all right. Well, why don't we take a listen to this? Is there any, any other setup that you want to give to this, uh, the song or should we just play it? 
Let's just play it and then we can talk. All right. We are going to play the song Keep a Little Faith by Jay Stott. And it is off of the photo of a woman standing in a uh, on top of a bunch of debris. That was the uh, the inspiration for this song. So keep a little faith by Jay Stott.
That was Keep a Little Faith by Jay Stott. Uh, that's uh, his challenge song for this week. And uh, that is a lovely, lovely song, man. And uh, I like Thanks, Dave. I like how uh, all three of the songs that you brought this week are they all have that very different emphasis emphases i think <laughs> yeah and, and the way that it shows shows your range there and um oh thank you yeah yeah and thank you yeah this is lovely and 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 first off i want to just say that when the chips are down it's the only ace i absolutely adore that line that is just oh thank you because i i you know it's it's a great way to use the uh when the chips are down you know i you know it's of course, that's a reference to cards, right? I mean, and right. I don't even think about that that often. And and I don't. I think oftentimes that's a that's an idiom that's used that uh, that people don't play out in the logical sense. And I like how you played that out. Uh, oh, and then thanks. It, and that's a that's a line I'm very concerned is perhaps too cliched. You know. Well, um, but I think you. Well, we. You know, I was talking about cliches. Was it last week? Well, I'm, we yes, with Timmy Reardon. I listened yeah, to your episode. It's in my head right now. I'm very <laughs> concerned about my metaphors here. <laughs> but this is. But I think that you. You because you added the ace in there. I kind of felt like. I, I feel like you took it out of. I mean, because it's not just. It's not about using the cliches. It's how you use them. And I right. felt like you. Right. You added something to it that, and also the the way that you use it as a rhyme for grace. I thought I I think it worked. I you know for Thank me. Thank you. And different I'll you know different that. people are going to have I'll different feelings, but uh, but I but I like that. And um, and another thing that I thought was um, this was also something we talked about in the Timmy Reardon podcast because he does this in I think he did it in almost all of the songs that he brought in. Um, that there's a period in his song where he uh, will double the melody, the vocal melody with the guitar melody. And you do that in this one and you actually showcase it a lot more. Um, and, and one thing that, that, that it made me think was, you know, did you come da, 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 da. Was that something that you came up with first on the guitar and you added the words to it? Or did you, did you already have that as the melody and you just sort of doubled that with the guitar? No, I had the guitar part first. This was actually a hard song to write. And the great thing about writing for a prompt and, and in this case, writing with a, for a deadline, because you were expecting me to actually send you something. <laughs> so thank you. No, seriously, thank you for that. I, I love doing exercises like this. And I love Timmy Reardon's song challenges, you know, and I try and do a couple of those a year. And you know, sometimes I start one and I, you know, my week gets blown out of the water. So, okay, that didn't yeah. work out so well, but, but I, but I try and do a couple of those a year. I love writing to prompts. I love the, the exercise of it. I always learn things. I was sort of struggling with where to go with this song. I was like, okay, I, I guess the picture seems to be my best bet, but I did something that I don't do a lot of times because I almost always start with lyrics you know, I, I don't necessarily pick up a guitar until I at least have, you know, a verse or a chorus or some working lyric idea that I start to have a feeling for what does this song want to be. And I just didn't have that here. So I was just playing with the guitar, like playing different chords and, you know, sort of messing around. And I came up, you know, that D, A, E minor, and then doing that run back up to D I was like, God, that sounds so great. I wonder, you know, and I was just kind of playing with it and I had a notebook open. I mean, it was intentional. I was trying to write the freaking song. Yeah, yeah. And, um, 
but I was just playing. And, and so then I had the image in my head and, and instead of course of standing on broken office furniture, I said standing on a cliff, but you know, that idea of someone standing, looking down on something as a metaphor in this case, I think for a decision, you know, mm. I mean, obviously someone standing on a cliff looking down, there are a lot of places you could go with that image. Sure. Uh, and I didn't feel like this was a, you know, am I going to jump and end it all kind of vibe, but you know, as a metaphor for other things, it works great. So I was just like, okay, let's play this out. But then I was standing on a cliff looking down wondering where the water hey that hits that run just perfectly and once i was doing it and that's not something i do a lot because i really am not that confident of a vocalist musically mm -hmm. and so the idea of like writing out a lyric right on to a melody like that yeah you know is not something i would normally do but in this case it was kind of working and then you get the repetition of wondering again in the next line which I kind of like when you can play with that. Um, and it led to, I think, some language that isn't about, like, are you jumping off the cliff and ending it all, which just didn't feel like where I wanted to go. Yeah. It wasn't the mood I was in. I mean, as you have alluded, I am perfectly comfortable writing a song that's pretty darn dark. <laughs> we did. You know, well, just, just if as I'm a... called to it, I'll go there. Just an just aside, we were... Uh... I was doing a live streaming uh, co-write with I can't remember who it was, uh, but we came to a point where we were we were like, "Well, that's it was a pretty you and dark." Nicole. Was it me it and was Nicole? You and Nicole? Yeah, I and was we watching were... you guys, <laughs> and we you were, were like, we... "No, that's too dark." I'm like, "What?" Well, it was at the beginning of the about? song. It was the beginning of the song, and we were like, "Oh, well, that, that's kind of a dark spot to start with." And and you're in the audience going, "No, no, get there and go darker, go darker." <laughs> Just I love that. I love that. That's but... Leonard Cohen, right? You yeah. want it darker. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well that becomes the skills challenge there is like okay start dark and how much darker can you make it yeah which pretty so. much is my goal in an awful lot of songs i mean those are the songs i love yeah you know that's yeah. where i go as a writer i don't uh, you know my 25 cent theory of art is that frankly you know good art isn't about happy stuff it doesn't lead to good art good art it comes from the challenges of our life and the things yeah. that are hard yeah that's where good art comes from yeah so let's, yeah let's just go there <laughs> well you know what's interesting though is that the the, the first two songs are really upbeat um they are. and and this one is probably the saddest musically but it's also got the most uplifting i i feel like the most uplifting message going on there so um but what but how did you feel about that um yeah i mean we're in the midst of a global pandemic and life has been hard in yeah. some ways for me obviously not in some ways for me so i'm grateful for the problems i have but life's been very hard for a lot of people and i found that coming out in my writing uh in a bunch of different ways yeah, me too. And, you know, sometimes I'm writing a song because it sounds cool. And sometimes I'm writing a song because I just want to be writing a song. And, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times I'm my number one audience. So I'm, especially if I'm writing something more serious, it's either something I want to be able to say or something I think probably I need to hear, you know. I, you know, it's interesting uh, how the, the pandemic has affected, uh, I, I imagine that a lot of artists are the same way, but I, 
I, I, I know I've, I've had a harder time writing some of those dark songs because I, I almost feel like I need to lift myself up, but also others. I feel kind of almost like my job right now is, is to, to, to write some songs that are a little bit more positive and, um, but it's definitely, you know, whether it's positive or negative, the, the pandemic has had a huge influence on what I've been writing this year. So in the, well, in the it, last year. And, you know, for me, frankly, it's been, it's been a bit of a struggle to be creative. And, you know, yeah. it's funny, like when the, when the lockdown comes and you're a songwriter, everyone's all bright and chipper. So are you just writing tons of songs as if, you know, really the only reason I wasn't writing tons of songs that is I didn't have enough minutes in the day, which is kind of funny if you know anything about the creative process, but also yeah. as if like, you know, anxiety, depression, and apocalyptic thinking weren't just as much a problem for me as everybody else. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's like, no, I'm also here wondering what the heck is going on. So, but, you know, I, I think if you have these impulses in you sooner or later, you know, if it's not, you know, if the world isn't getting you down too much, you kind of shake yourself off a little bit and you just go back to doing the work because it feels good to be doing the work. So a way yeah. to make myself feel better about the universe is to be doing some work some creative work. And, and, and then I just got to be open to whatever songs come out. And I think that is influenced a little bit, um, by what's going on around us. And, and yeah. so this kind of called to me and I kind of got the first verse out and I liked the way the second, you maybe could almost call that second half of verse a pre-chorus because musically it does something, you know, it, it ramps to the chorus. Yeah. Would that be minor chord? But I liked that it got to, this isn't so much about something terrible. It's the metaphor of a decision point you know, and, and mm -hmm. how hard it can be to make choices. And that wasn't what I was planning on doing with the song. It wasn't any intention. It's just the way the words rolled out as I was. And, and I worked pretty hard. Like I had that first D A E minor and then the little run. Yeah. And then I was like, God, there's only so many times you can repeat that before it'll be mind numbing. So <laughs> verse probably ought to do something else. So then I'm working my way through all the chords of the key thinking about what else I could do in that key. And then I, you know, same thought process for a chorus, right? Like what I can, what can I do musically that keeps the idea going, but changes things enough. And then I had that line, you got to keep a little faith, which, you know, it gets a little anthemic, which I like, I don't mind writing something that everybody's going to want to sing along with. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. No kidding. Um, chorus is the place to do it. Right. You know, really right, get that. Totally. Yeah. So, so then I had all the musical ideas going and I started working my way through some other verses and I'll just share with you one of the cool kind of things that came to me in this song. Cause I'm always thinking, who is saying this? Is it me? Is it somebody else? Who are they yeah. talking to? Why are they saying, why do they feel compelled to say it? And there is a piece in this song of uh, a little bit of, uh, being a father and, mm. you know, trying to say, you know, I was thinking about my daughter who's a teenager, who's also going through all this stuff. And, you know, what can I say? Um, and I'm a guy and I'm not always the most articulate guy. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that can be a challenge sometimes. So, well, it's funny that you say that song. 
It's funny you say that considering how literate a songwriter you are. But yeah, that's, you know, obviously speaking in, you know, in the moment is different than than sitting down and editing stuff. And Yeah. But, yeah. So so I think there's a piece of that. Like, who am I talking to? People are having a tough time. People are facing yeah. choices, you know, and it's sort of in advice giving mode, uh, which is an interest. Like it and it ends up being a song not like a lot of songs I write and I like it for that you know it's operating in a mode that I'm not always operating in and as a songwriter I'm almost always operating in this sort of fiction writer mode where I'm telling you a story yeah. about someone even if it's in first person I'm sort of operating with a as a fictional character and and here I think the speaker of the song is being fairly direct to someone else without necessarily a story there, just trying to say something about the world, um, which is not my normal mode. So yeah. That was yeah. cool. It was great. It was great to write a song that does something a little different than what I normally do. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I appreciate, I appreciate the range that you've shown with uh, the songs that you brought in and thanks, uh, but let's see, let's, uh, I try to get a self critique from from everybody when they. I mean, this is a first draft uh, or a second draft that you you brought in from this week, and and uh, you know, is this something that you think you'll want to revise, or do you feel like it's ready, or or and if you do revise it, you know, what what would be your strategy for for working on it? Musically, I like it. Yeah. I I really like the feel of it. Um, it was very affirming for you to say you're okay with that line in the chorus. Um, because that's a line I sort of was like, oh, is this, is that too cheap, right? Is that too easy, a cliche? I, there are a couple other lines where I'm feeling like, oh, is that the best line? I, the verse three that opens with, they say it's darkest before the dawn. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cliched stuff. Um you know, so is well, you, you have a rhyme. There's a there's a rhyme. You're rhyming that with. Uh, is it long? Yeah, fighting for so long. So I mean, that's the. You know, sometimes the rhyme can justify it. Um, <laughs> Rhyming dictionary on my desk, <laughs> ready to go. Right, like what else can we do here? I do that a lot as I'm writing. Use it. You know, uh, I use uh, a rhyming, rhyming dictionary. dictionary like crazy. It's I've my been using that friend. a lot more in the last year. That's for sure. Yeah, and that's... I'll both use it like in this case. You know, when I I think I probably will try and work that line a little bit and see if I can get it to say something a little fresher. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, I would like that. I would like not to blow up the rhyme scheme. So we'll see if I can figure out a way to do that. But. Um, I do a lot of preloading with the rhyming dictionary too. You know, if I have a title that has a word in it or words in it that are obvious rhyming words, mm -hmm. I'll go through and make lists of all the rhyming words for those words. Oh, okay. Just to have them and see sure. if that sparks, you know, oh, that's a cool word. How does that go with the title? How does that, you know, um, I'll do a lot of listing and just making piles of words to have them handy sometimes. And it leads me to use words I wouldn't think of on my own. So that's cool, yeah. right? Like you try to get to a little fresher language. Oh, absolutely. More interesting way of saying something. Well, you know, it's interesting. You, you bring up that, uh, you know, I, I didn't catch it when I was reading through this earlier before we started recording. But there is there is a stricter rhyme scheme here than I actually, you know, caught on to. Um, yeah, because you are doing those around and found between belong and song and 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 
Don and Long between Quit and Fit. That's yeah. So so I mean, do you do you like doing kind of those? Because because you've had kind of stricter rhyme schemes and some of the other ones there too. I mean, are, do you see yourself as kind of a form writer? You like to stick to when you when you've developed a form, you you really like to stick with that all the way through and. Uh, what when do you decide when you know how strict of a a, a, a form you should have? I mean, you obviously you get know, inspired have, by it because you, like you said, it forces you to do stuff that you wouldn't otherwise do. It gives you a place to go, right? It gives yeah. you a container to try and fill in a particular way, and I like the fact that trying to fill the container mm-hmm. takes my head out of worrying about how I'm filling the container and Mm -hmm. often leads me to language or ways of saying things or ideas that I might not have been open to. Uh, It, it leads interesting places. It's a, I am always aware that it's a really double-edged sword and that being too married to form can be kind of a crutch and can be just as stultifying as, you know, cliches. There's always a tension in that for me. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think it would be cool to write songs with less form, but I also, I don't know about you, but I can do a real, I can mess my own head up pretty well overthinking what I'm doing. And if I go back to some of the songs that I love that are written by other people to study them, they're they're not complicated there aren't tri- like like some of the best stuff i listen to the most impactful songs i know i go back and study them and I'm like man three chords real simple verse yeah. structure mm-hmm. the language is fresh and interesting but it's also simple and direct the rhyme scheme is just there and not heavy-handed and not forced but clearly there you know so I can do a real number on myself thinking I need things to be more complicated or more technical or more fancy or better than they are. And, and so there's a tension there for me because I can really mess myself up both being overly concerned with form, but also then thinking I need to do fancy things. Well, I'm, I'm with you in that I'm, I'm definitely a form guy and I, I get these, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll sometimes start a song and I'll, have this form, you know, I come up with like the first verse, right? Yeah. And, and it'll be really kind of a, you know, there's a form, a real strict form. And then later I get going and I'm like, wow, it's going to be really tough to maintain that form. And if I maintain that form throughout, it may be actually irritating as the song goes on. And, and I'll admit, I, I admire, you know, sometimes you get together to co-write with somebody and I don't know if you co-write as frequently as I do, but, but the, uh, you get together with somebody who, who's not into form and they, you know, that they, they, it's easy to irritate them because <laughs> you're asking about, well, we did this rhyme scheme here. Do we want to continue this on? And, and, and they don't care, but then they come up with stuff that's just as good as anything that I would write. And, and, and sometimes it, sometimes it feels more organic when it doesn't have a, you know, a, a, a tight form though, though I think, yeah. If you, you know, if you really work it, you can make it be tight formally and feel really kind of spontaneous and organic. And I think that's the magic. Yeah. 
Right. I mean, if it, like I look at some really great songwriting, some go-to stuff that I look at, mm -hmm. it's pretty tight formally, but yeah. the way it's done, that becomes invisible. And I think yeah. that's, that's the magic. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And maybe I'm not there yet and I'm okay with that. You know, like we're all just where we are on the road. Um, but I do, you know, like, so I had those first two lines and I'm like, okay, that's a cool little riff and I'm writing a melody for the lyric and that's a little unusual. But if I do a lot of that, it's going to be like an ice pick in the eye to the listener. So yeah, like, like, how do I keep breaking the form or varying the forms so that it's not painfully repetitive and and working in americana you know some of my go-to people like you know one of the most famous songs in americana is a seven verse song with a single line refrain and which, which uh, one is this we, we could we can name the song what's the name of yeah the song? The, like you think about the road goes on forever by robert earl Keane, which is this anthemic oh. song mm -hmm. It's a seven verse song, which as another songwriter friend of mine pointed out, has a Chekhovian level of detail in the verses. Like it's practically a freaking novel, uh -huh, uh -huh. you know, and it's terrific, you know, like, so there's, a, you know, there's always a tension in what you're doing. And I'm always, you know, I am trying to push myself a little bit and you always try and come up with something a little different, hopefully. So. Well, you know, I think it, I think it goes to show that, um, you know, it's like we worry about a lot, all the, a lot of these, a lot of these things, but yeah. the the ultimate arbiter is just does it end up being a good song? Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's nothing right or wrong about any of these particular uh, techniques. It's you know, even if we we worry about them, we slave over them. It's just it really just comes down. Does it does it pass the ear test? You know, does yeah. it does it How sing does well? It hit your do, ear. Do, yeah, and does it does it? Yeah, so. And of course, the first audience for me is always me. Yep. You know, like, how does it hit my ear? Um, and I write a lot of stuff that never sees the light of day because I'm like, oh, it's cool. I wrote it, but it doesn't do anything for me to sing this. You know, I kind of like this song. I, I feel like, I, I like it too. I'm going to keep messing around with this song. It does something a little different than what I normally do. And it's good to have a song like that. And, you know, I kind of like it. I, I'm going to try and. Well, I could totally see this language. in a. This could I could totally see this in a, um, as almost a, a closer closer for some of your shows, oh. because it's you know you have these, these uh, these scamps, these rapscallions, these you know these underhanded people in all of your songs and and they're my people exactly and they're and they're they're getting into trouble and and then they're all. You know they're they're ruining their lives maybe and and then maybe you come to a song like this and it's like well you know what you got to have a little faith and yeah yo totally so totally anyway I, I like it it's kind of a it's like a cool drink of water after a long run thank so, you yeah all right we're waiting to hear yours all right well let's take a look yeah let's take a look at mine um so yeah I, I focused a little bit more on the junkyard aspect of of the song yeah I actually i listened you sent me the link and i listened to it and then i just had youtube run in the background and it kicked out a whole bunch of the songs you've been writing this month and there were some there's some good songs in there it was oh fun. thank you man yeah it's, I I'll, I'll i'll be honest with you this has been kind of a disappointing well first off i've already i missed 10 days i i this was this is the first time in four years that i've not 
completed the challenge of doing a song every day for the month. And I felt a little bit less inspired. And I, part of that is probably because, you know, I was already writing going in. Usually I have like a couple months where I haven't been writing at all. And I just starved to be creative, you know, and, right. and this year, not so much. So it was a little bit, yeah. But uh, I and I totally get that. And I totally get how going into something with a lot of expectations, if you don't meet your expectations, that's disappointing. I would like to point out that from a more distance perspective, if you've written 19 or 20 songs yeah. in 30 days, that is still ferocious output. I I know, I know, I know. Now, the it's, fact that you've previously done 30 songs in 30 days is just stunning. You're, so, you're right, you're right. It's, you know. it's, 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 yeah, I know. It's like you set these standards for yourself. And yeah, no, you're And I totally correct. get that. Like, oh, I missed 10 days this January. Yeah, but you wrote 20 songs in 30 days. There are a lot of pros in Nashville that have never had a 30-day stretch like that. Yeah. I thought they did stuff like that. I thought they used to, I mean, at least they used to, didn't they used to have to write us two or three songs a day, you know, when you were in those songwriting I, factories? I think a lot of those guys have two or three appointments a day. I okay. don't know that it gets them to two or three finished songs a day. Uh, well, that's okay. That's a good point. Um, there is a difference. There is a difference. You know, a I, song. like I yeah. think about another podcast I listen to where there's a guy who is a Nashville pro, you know, and he's talking about the business. And I think he said, you know, he's turning in like 75 or 80 finished songs a year. Yeah. Wow. You know, and, and even that is ferocious output, you know, yeah. but if it was my full-time job, could I average a song and a half a week if I really had to? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think could so. do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, all right. I got the lyrics up here. This is uh, my song is called uh, The Junkyard Umbrella. So uh, get ready here. This is The Junkyard Umbrella by David Coyle. There's a market for fleas where you can be thrifty. Come on and see your special deals and savings. They call it debris. That's how it seems. Save the trash by any measures, just another kind of treasure. Ask me and I'll tell you about the junkyard umbrella. Legendary pop one before. Handle made of cherry wood and carbon to the crook. Rabbit seeking safety from the storm. Just as soon be legit. Ask me and I'll tell you about the junkyard umbrella. Legendary by long before. Handle made of cherry wood and carved to the brook. Rabbit seeking safety from the
I'll tell you about the junkyard umbrella, legendary popcorn before. Handle made of cherry wood and carved to the brook, rabbit seeking the city from the stone, from the stone. So yeah, this was uh, well. Uh, as we're we're talking, I'm in. I'm as we're recording this. I'm still in my song a day January mode. So I, I, I my own personal challenge was to write this in one day, and um, and I love the I love the photo. I think it's a cool photo. I, I decided to go a little bit more with the the junkiness of the whole thing. And and I hadn't been the two previous two or three previous days that I had written songs. They had been kind of low tempo uh songs and i just i needed to rock out and and a junkyard was exactly the kind of feel that i wanted so um and that umbrella that was what really stuck out to me in the picture was like why would you need an umbrella in a junkyard um and yeah, I just I just decided to to go for like a flea market, junk market, you know, junkyard type of thing, you know, that you're going and you're just scavenging. Um and uh the the details on the the umbrella actually come from a um an old cane that I used to have. I used to work at a senior uh resource and activity center. And I we saw had a, that in your notes. That's yeah, cool. yeah. We had a we had a lending closet uh for medical equipment. And we got a lot of uh, you know, wheelchairs, portable commodes, uh, and, and crutches and, 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 and a fair number of canes as well. And we got this one really ornate looking cane. It had a rabbit's head, uh, on the handle. And, uh, you know, it was sitting there for months and there was a good reason why nobody was taking it. And it was because it was functionally not a great <laughs> cane. Right. It really wasn't something that you wanted to medically lean on. speaking. It wasn't useful. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm just taking this one myself. Nobody else is grabbing it. So, so awesome. I took it and I just thought it was such a really cool thing. I did give it away um, some years ago, but uh, uh, I, I, it was such a stylish little thing. And so I was thinking, okay, that's the detail that's going to make this umbrella like such a great find uh, for these people. And um and I, I, the lyrics that I have written here are a little bit different than what I sing. I think I, I, I sing it as uh, a rabbit seeking safety from the storm. And the reason why I had that is because originally it was a rabbit sleeping safely in the storm. Oh. And I decided that I wanted, I wanted wow. to, to, to be seeking, you know, because it's like, well, you know, is the umbrella open or closed? I don't know. You know, I, I there's gyrations going in my mind there about like it's a more active image yeah yeah and then i was in the the lyrics as i wrote them i was like seeking shelter from the storm even though that's a cliche it struck me that if i put seeking safety from the storm that people are going to want to hear that cliche because once it, it dawned on me afterward this is this is weird because like after I wrote it, I mean, I, I had written it in a non-cliche way, seeking safety from the storm. But after I was like, well, it has to be shelter because that's just the way that people know it. And it's going to take them out of the song if I don't have it as a cliche. And it's the same sentiment. And so I kind of decided that 
I actually need to, so getting to the revisions early, I'm going to change it to that because I've, uh, that's a some, that's a case where it's like it's too close to the cliche, and then right. if it's not the cliche, it's going to take people out of it. So, right. I don't know. Just talking about how cliches go there, and I think most of the song yeah. is not cliche. So, no, not at all. Yeah, I love. I got to tell you, I love the opening. The the the, the uh, there's a market for fleas. There's or? a market for fleas. I like that's awesome, right? <laughs> where you can be thrifty. I, I like that's so I just love the way you use language there. Oh, and then the you. way and then the way that first verse actually doesn't set us up for an expectation of a rhyme scheme, although you have one, you know, come on and see the special deals and savings like defies my instinctual expectation that there's gonna be some kind of rhyme scheme coming. You know, so I so I like that. Well, it's a uh well you know, this is one where I'm not, uh, there is, to me, it's sort of a, the, the, it's not an end rhyme here, right? It's right. The, It's got the E sound, but it's not, it's not a strict E ending. So you got fleas, thrifty, uh, C and savings, which is, that's kind of a cheat, but, <laughs> but it's still, I think. But I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. I, I liked the way it sounded when you sang it. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, this is this is I I do a lot with near rhymes. I'm not yeah. my I, I I I when you sit down and you look at my songs, there's I, I my hope is that um that it you know when in the singing when the performance if you're not scrutinizing it too closely that it flows pretty well and it's good to hear right. that you heard it without having any uh, objections there. So no, I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. Um, and I and I love the image in the chorus, right? The a handle made of cherry wood and carved into the crook, a rabbit seeking shelter from the storm. Like I don't know, that just gave us a little bit of grounding. Like we kept coming back to the thing you got at a flea market many years ago. You yeah, know? like that touchstone of I could find another cool umbrella or something just as cool as this umbrella. That's why I keep going to flea markets. Exactly. Um, exactly. Um, I think I, you know, I, I kind of, for me, music is something that I, I feel like every aspect of human experience should be the subject of a song at some point. Cause yeah. you get, you get emotional re responses from, from all sorts of things that are not just love and relationships or, or, or whatnot. I mean, I, you know, and if you can capture that kind of excitement, um, you know, I mean, if you ever have a friend who's, you know, you're saying it's like, you know, you go to a friend and you're like, boy, I really could use, you know, this, that or the other thing, uh, you know, and I'm not finding what I, you know, I'm looking for at Target or something like that. <laughs> right. And then you have your friend who's like, oh, my friend, let me tell you about the great finds that you can get at the flea market, you know? Right. And, and then they take right. you and they take you as like, they're this, this mentor and they're going to show you the ways <laughs> of thrifting. Um, and, yeah. and that can be like a huge event in its own right. And uh, so I wanted to kind of capture something like cool. that. Um, I love what you, I oh, love what you just said about songwriting being about anything. Yeah, that's really cool. I don't. Do you know the poet Marianne Moore, American poet, first half of the twentieth century? I know, no, I don't think so. She was a member of the Algonquin Roundtable, that oh. sort of literary group in New York. Dorothy Parker and a bunch of others. She has a poem called "Poetry," 
the first line of which is very memorable. The poem is entitled Poetry, and the first line is, I too dislike it. <laughs> but if, and, and the poem goes on to say, and I can't recite the whole poem, but it's filled with these wonderful images. But the message of the poem is, if we're going to have poetry, it needs to be about the stuff of everyday life, not just, you know, like fancy things. Yeah. And, and there's some wonderful images in there of about it should be about frogs and ponds and baseball. And, you know, like she lists all these wonderful images that and, and I, I loved what you said, like, we, we you know, <laughs> songwriting can be about a lot of things. Well, I, there's just, yeah, I, and, and I think that one of the, um, you know, the, one of the ways that people get around that though, the way I think, you know, songs about relationships are so popular Yeah, that I think the way that, that, that a lot of writers get around that is they, um, they may take some of those, those more specific images and more, those kind of everyday things, and they figure out a way to incorporate a love story around it. And, and it makes me think about, um, old blues songs and this i could be totally wrong on this but this is what i read was that a lot of those songs that are about um you know i used to work i worked 30 years for one you know the same old woman and she had the nerve to put me down something like that you know when you have all these songs that are about complaining about their wives or their girlfriends uh that a lot of those were actually uh them complaining about their jobs and yeah. they were just oh. using just using the uh the 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 framework of a relationship so that they could get away with complaining about that stuff. And so, you know, sometimes you can take like a, you know, songs that are about everyday things. I mean, I could, I could slap a love story onto this and, you know, say it's like, Oh, well this, this, this umbrella is something that really meant something to the, this couple, you know, and maybe it would even be interpreted that way. It could be interpreted as the person's talking to somebody who they're dating or something. I don't know. And, but that's obviously not in the song, but, uh, but it is an unusual topic and I don't know how it's going to go over. I, of the, of the songs that I posted this, this month, I did not get a lot of comments on it. <laughs> right. Well, I don't know. Right. That's okay. I, like I, uh, you know, when I'm writing the song, I try and be very non-judgmental to the extent uh -huh. that I'm able, uh, about the song. And I write some things that are, uh, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, what the heck is this going to be? And then I get to the end and it's like, oh, that's actually like kind of a song there. But then the question of what am I going to do with the song? What's it's written? That's a whole different, there's a whole different consideration for me about, is this something I'm going to feel good about playing a couple hundred mm -hmm. times in front of people? Do I want to put it on a record and put it out there in the world? You know, but when I'm writing the song, I'm just writing the song. If I'm writing a song yeah. about a flea market, I'm writing a song about a flea market. That's awesome. You know? Well, this is one that I actually, this is one of my favorites of the month. I, I, I actually got a real kick out of this one. Um, cool. Just because it's so unusual. And yeah, um, there's some of the, I don't know. I, 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 I want to develop this one. And I, I feel like, um, I'm glad that you like that opening line because I that was one that I wasn't sure about. I was worried that it would just be like a huge turnoff. Um, it's like, oh, he's talking about fleas, ooh. Um, but it's it's a rocking song, so it can probably get away with that without 
too much trouble. But I t- even the first time I listened to it, where I hadn't looked at the lyrics, I totally got what you were saying. Yeah, it's a fl- I just love the a- freshness of the way you were saying it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so that's good. They're not going to think it's literally about fleas, and that's the that I was my concern. So. You know, um, and this is actually and those, this, those people who would—they're not your audience anyway. So, yeah, you know. yeah. I think the one thing that I feel like I'm really missing here is I don't really talk about I talk about baubles and trinkets, but I don't really go into detail about the types of things that you might find. Um, so I, I kind of I have this whistle bridge that I do which was a little bit of a cop out. I think I was just, it was late at night and I was thinking, okay, I'm not going to do much more, but I kind of feel like, and and I like whistle bridges. I actually might keep the whistle bridge, but I kind of feel like I want to have some sort of verse, or maybe it would be the bridge where I just list some of the unusual items that you would actually find at, at a, at a flea market or a thrift store. Um, And so, so I think that's one of the number one things that I want to, I want to throw in there. Yeah. I mean, it's a place where a list, if you could come up with a good list would be a fun yeah. break in the song. Exactly. Maybe. I don't know. And just talk about, and just, and what's great is that you can talk about, you're not just running off the item, but you get to run off the, what makes it an imperfect secondhand item. So right. you'll get all these little, you know, it's a smudged coffee cup with, or, you know, it's a, um a ceramic elephant with a broken trunk exactly oh ooh, right, that 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 practically rhymes right there there you go that's beautiful yeah and so yeah and i think that would be that's a there's a great potential for imagery with that and totally uh, and a song that's about a thrift store you need to have more imagery i think and as, as much as i like yeah. kind of the um the language and i did go look up uh I put up, a, I pulled up a glossary of thrifting terms oh, to try cool. to come up with what, and I, and I picked out the ones, I picked out the ones that I thought were familiar, you know, like uh-huh. bait and switch is something that, you know, there right. were some that were a little bit, but you know, just having vintage and counterfeit and, and, uh, totally, you know, totally. bobbles and trinkets. I think that adds a little bit to it, but, um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, that was a, that was a fun song to write and I really, awesome. I really enjoyed it. So awesome it's cool yeah i like it well thank you man thank you well i kind of feel like we both wrote some uh some cool songs here that are worth uh worth working on and and thanks yeah i mean thank you for the opportunity to force myself to sit down and write something uh that felt really good this week and it was really interesting to see how it came out so i do i do love doing challenges just to see how it comes out you know yeah it forces me to do things I might not do otherwise or write about things I wouldn't otherwise or. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's fun. I like that. All right. So Jay, we are uh, at the promotion portion of the show. Would you <laughs> like to promote uh, anything? I would always love to promote things. Yeah. Well, you can find me at jstot.com. That's J A Y S T O T T.com. Uh, if you uh, my music is available everywhere you stream or download things, either legally or illegally. It's your immortal <laughs> soul, not mine. So I'm not particularly concerned about that. You know, the number one thing you can do for a small time indie artist right now is follow them on social media and follow them on Spotify. So smash that follow button at whatever social media outlet you like. And if you're on 
Spotify and you like those two songs, they're both there and give me a follow. Those are the things you can do. If you haven't done a laundry in a really long time in the pandemic, you can get a clean t-shirt from me on my website. I'll be happy to send you one um, along with CDs and stickers and all that kind of stuff. And as we kind of roll into the spring here, I'll probably start doing a little bit more online stuff. My sister and I have done a couple of Instagram sh live stream shows together. She's also a musician. We're talking about scheduling some more dates for that. Got a couple other things coming up. So uh, if you're following on Facebook or following on Twitter, you'll hear all about it. All right. Jay, thank you so much for coming on the show uh this has just been this has been a great this has been a really entertaining conversation and a lot of uh i think insightful topics that we we touched on or, or just interesting topics that we touched on so cool i hope it's insightful i don't know no, it's, it's been super fun dave thank you so much for asking me it's really been a kick i'm enjoying listening to your podcast and i actually think you're filling a space in the songwriting podcast world that needed some filling i think there there's something about these conversations that's cool and distinct i hope I hope I was able to live up to some of the other people you've had on the show. You, you definitely were. People. You definitely were, man. This was this was really great. And that's that's great to hear. That's great to hear. I'm glad that you're listening. I'm glad that uh, some people are getting something out of it. So if you've enjoyed this week's episode, please consider donating to the program at Venmo at Dave Coyle or PayPal.me slash Dave Coyle. In the meantime, keep your songwriting raw and riveting. There's a market for fleas where you can be thrifty. Come on and see your special deals and savings. They call it debris. That's how it seems. Save the trash by any measures. Just another kind of treasure. Ask me and I'll tell you about the junkyard umbrella.